This music is growing on me. I don't know. Every week I really like it. And that's how I start. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jackson. So uh, this is a kind of the, the newcomer's pod. I'm, I, I, obviously, it's called Pick and Pod 2017, hosted by Mir Gori. But I just want to say before we, we go into the rundown, I'm glad that that the new guys are showing up. You know, this is kind of a shot to the, the, the regulars and the veterans. I mean, <laughs> Christian Nokash. Jackson uh, Heil or Hale? Heil. Heil. I just want to say Hell, but <laughs> Jackson from Hell, and 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 Big Pete over there in the background. I, I don't know how to pronounce your, your your name. I don't know if you know the button to to say. Hudek. Okay, and Hudek, and of course, Berbers. You know, in the background. I'm going to give you the nickname this time because you're technically not on the you know the list, but you know he's he's kind of like a VIP section. Um, and of course, we've got our trainee uh, our trainee. Jack in the background, so um, we're, we're you know I'm just surrounded by new people and and I kind of like it's young blood, you know I feel I feel the age <laughs> difference a little bit, you know I'm getting old, um, but yeah okay let's get into it. So uh, this week you know we're kind of gonna again go with the the general structure of you know what teams really impressed you or disappointed you, what teams are you, you really hyped about for next week or just for the upcoming week and and also is there anything that that makes you wonder you know the the just the direction of a specific team and and what they're about to do. So you know, I'm going to start off with uh, Christian over here. Christian, what was a team that has disappointed you or impressed you in the past week? And then we'll go from there. Okay. Well, now I'm not a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, not a Thank LeBron God. fan, but <laughs> I gotta say it's pretty bad. How bad their defense is. <laughs> like there was a crazy stat where they've given up 112 points in 10 straight games, which is the worst since the 1992-1993 Mavericks, who went 11 and 71. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go 11-71 and 71 because they have LeBron on their team, but their defense is awful. And people are saying, oh, when IT comes back, it's going to help a lot. Isaiah Thomas is a undersized point guard. He can't guard anybody. What, what can he do to help them? I don't know what to do, what, what we can do to help them. I mean, the, the Cavs just, I think they're done. I think yes, I think yeah. I think it was over since last May. I think I think the the Cavs are just they're going to implode. I think that Kyrie leaving uh, left a surprising hole in that team. That I just I don't know. I didn't respect Kyrie as much as maybe most do. Um, I thought that he's a great closer. I think he's a superstar closer, but I just didn't think he's an overall great player. And I think he's kind of shown that this year, but he's also showing that he's also a little better of a player in the first three quarters than mm-hmm. than I think in the past and. Um, I just am surprised that it really had that much effect. I think it's just it's it was more than anything damaging to the locker room. And I think also Jay Crowder is just a Celtics guy. You know, he's on a Cavs team. It's like I don't yeah. know, you take a a a player from from another country in an in a you know, in an Olympics and put them on another team. It's just it just feels like Crowder just doesn't belong on the Celtics. Yeah, and I think again, the big piece of that trade that we you just mentioned is Isaiah Thomas. Like that was the guy that they really wanted back from Boston in that trade for Kyrie. And again, he hasn't played it all this year. So it's kind of hard to assess kind of where that trade has hurt teams. I mean, the Celtics have won ten in a row, obviously. They've been very impressive. But I think I think people are overreacting about the Cavs. I think it's something that's happened in the past, especially with LeBron kind of He's been carrying this team, but I think you have to expect more from their role players in the coming time. And obviously, when Isaiah Thomas gets healthy, I, I think have a feeling really help them. I have a feeling that the Cavs 
are not going to go far in the playoffs because I can see LeBron already looks tired. So, anyway, we're going to go now to the next point, which is, Christian, what's your team that you kind of are impressed with in the past week? This not a, that you've been impressed with all yeah. season, just what, what's what been, like, the most impressive thing in the past week? You know, this is a sneaky team. They've won three in a row. They're second in the Eastern Conference. It's the Detroit Pistons. Oh, I love how you, like, <laughs> listed out the, the resume <laughs> before <laughs> mentioning the team. Oh, well, we can have an overlap. That's yeah, fine, yeah, you know? Absolutely. No, I mean, like... Okay, so when they traded for Avery Bradley, I thought it was a good deal. Yeah, yeah, Avery Bradley's so yeah, good. Yeah, my only concern was who would play their power forward position, and I like what they've done. They put Tobias at four, and they're playing Stanley Johnson the three. They're playing a small ball. Drummond is averaging 14 points and 15 rebounds. I like Drummond's it. free throws have improved. That allows yeah, them yeah. to put Tobias at the four and yeah. Stanley at the three because if Drummond's free throws weren't as weren't as good, then you would have to put him on the bench, and then you would have to have like a – a, a stretch five, which mm-hmm. for the Pistons l- roster doesn't what, fit yeah. because what, some of their be players Luer? are undersized. Yeah, I, maybe Luer, but he's not really great. Yeah, they're okay. I, I think mean, they people, don't really have anybody in the Not background. to interject, but I think people have really overlooked Stanley Johnson yeah, because oh, they've great. kind of considered him a dud coming out of that draft, but that dude can defend. With yeah. Well, the other thing is also they had Contavious Caldwell-Pope, mm-hmm. so I felt That's like that true. took up a lot of minutes, and so Stanley couldn't, you know, he couldn't just, be thrown into the game even if he didn't like say he had a bad stretches you know he couldn't play through them because immediately they just have a quick hook and put Contavious Caldwell Pope back in so I don't know for that for those reasons alone I, I think that the Pistons have done better but also people forget that Stan Van Gundy's a really good coach yes. you know and, and he just he's had a rough roster because you know Reggie Jackson's just kind of a bad guy you know and 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 dr- I mean well he <laughs> is really like true. a lot of people don't like him this is a guy who writes Hall of Famer in the back of his sneakers and undermines you know the Thunder organization oh and his entire locker room and the Pistons as well and then Stan Van just comes out and says yeah we're better when he's not on the court I mean like you know th- there are there are some things that Reggie Jackson does that aren't very likable um but but the kind of the bigger picture I think to Stan Van's kind of slow resurrection of the Pistons has been because you know the the NBA went away from the Andre Drummond model and so then Andre Drummond became kind of obsolete um because also then the free throw issue kind of was was exaggerated even more than it, like pronounced more than it normally would be because of the strain the change in structure but i think that now things have gotten better since his free throws have improved what do you think jackson yeah and i i think the big difference for them cuz they can score they can score the rock i mean they have two guards in bradley which that was probably my favorite trade of the off season mm-hmm. the avery bradley trade and reggie jackson obviously hey, i'm sorry that was your favorite trade yeah, i i i i love it no, I, <laughs> listen, because I, you look at the Thunder. I, I have think, him on my pod, and this is what he tells me? <laughs> you look at the Thunder, that was always a trade that was going to take them a while to get going, and we'll talk about them in a little bit, but the Avery Bradley trade, that he made so much sense for Detroit because now you have a guy that can lock down an opposing point guard with the best of them, and you have two scoring threats at guard with Reggie Jackson, who although, as we mentioned, has been kind of the topic of conversation in terms of Stan Van Gundy saying that they're better without him. He can really score, and Tobias mm-hmm. Harris can score, but now they're playing defense behind him. Andre Drummond has always been a guy who can protect the paint. Tobias Harris is an underrated defender on the mm-hmm. perimeter, and as I mentioned before, Stanley Johnson can really play. So I think that's been the big difference with them. I think they're going to have trouble getting some depth off the bench. Henry Ellenson, their their pick, their lottery pick in this top draft, he's going to have to step up scoring-wise, but... Overall, I think I really like what Detroit's doing. And if, like Mir said, the Cavs are done and go out early, that's a team that could challenge Boston and potentially go into the finals. 
So then, all right, let's transition now to your points. What do you think? What are what are your teams that you were disappointed in and impressed with? Well, the team that I was really impressed with was Orlando, and I know they beat a Knicks team that wasn't that was without Porzingis a few nights ago, but. I really think they're very well coached. Frank Fogel is one of my favorite yes. coaches in the entire NBA. I thought he really kind of got hit for a lot of the things that went wrong in Indiana towards the end of that. You can call it not a powerhouse, but for Indiana it was a powerhouse. But they are really they're really well coached. Aaron Gordon's developing into a really nice player. I love Alfred Payton's game. I think he's he's one of my favorite point guards in the league just because the way. He's not a great shooter, but the yeah. way he moves the ball is really impressive. And obviously, Vucevic has been great for oh. them as well. So he's that's my team to really look out for. And obviously, the Cavs. I mean, they've been really disappointing. But the main team that it shouldn't really come as a surprise to me, but Milwaukee. They haven't played really good ball, even with the way Giannis has played. Yeah, I think the Eric Bledsoe trade would help them, but I don't. I I really don't like the job that Jason Kidd is doing there, in my opinion. Oh, that's see, I've been really happy with the Bucks. I think the problem with the Bucks is that their best player is still learning the game of basketball. I don't think that Giannis is ever going to really catch up to his physical prime until after he's thirty, just mentally in terms of his basketball IQ, because. You have to consider this guy was four inches shorter when he was drafted, and then every year he's been growing. So it takes you about a year to just adjust to your growth. So right, so so it's been th- four years he's been in the NBA. It's taking him a year to adjust to every single like growth. So it's like eight years right of development, and then he's got to consider all the pressure that he's been put on. Thonmaker developing, Brogdon being a sec- uh, second year player, um, a Chris Middleton basically missing almost all of last year with the torn hamstring. Mm-hmm. I th- I think you need to lay off a little bit on the ca- on the Bucks in my opinion. I I think that the Bucks are, are are really good. I think that they need to learn the game of basketball better. I think Eric Bledsoe helps them a lot because Giannis has kind of been their point guard thus far and he's been their ball handler, but now you can kind of take the burden off of him so to speak because he's been their score. Yeah. He's been the guy that's had to really put up all their production offensively and you had a guy like Bledsoe who can get you a couple big buckets and possessions, and he's been a guy who can score throughout his career. I just think that that'll help them, but I, I'm i not really buying into this team right now. All right, well, so, uh, Christian? Yeah, I wanted to say, we forgot to mention that Jabari Parker is not back on this team yet. That's another that's another scoring option. You know, yeah, about I can't Jabari, rely on him to be healthy. You know, about Jabari, you know, you, you tear your ACL twice in the same knee, and that sucks already, but, you know, I always thought Jabari was... Would have, would have been a great college player had he stayed longer, but would never have been a great NBA player. I just don't, I just don't, I think he lacks the burst and the athleticism. And, and that's what it comes down to kind of in the NBA is either you're super smart and have a super amazing IQ of basketball and you can overcome your athleticism, or you have amazing athleticism that can overcome uh, your, you know, your basketball IQ deficiencies, like lack of development and certain understandings of, 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 you know, strategies and, 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 you know, basketball scenarios, you know? And so we see like players like, for example, Russell Westbrook, super athletic, his basketball IQ had to just develop because, you know, he was never put in a, in a very prime time role when he was in high school in the, in the first year of college. Or then you have the flip side, you know, players that have amazing basketball IQ like Larry Bird and were very effective immediately his first year, as opposed to maybe players like Magic Johnson. But then as their careers continued, their athleticism waned while players with higher athleticism 
they started from such a high standard of athleticism that it lowered, but the fact that their IQ continued to go up compensated for the loss of athleticism. But wouldn't the fact that if had Parker stayed in college for four years, like you said, that would have only heightened his basketball IQ, and I think that's a guy... Well, that's why I'm saying I I wish he would have stayed. That's why I kind of wish he would have stayed. And I, that's fair. I mean, but it's I mean he's been very effective for Milwaukee when he's been when healthy. he's yeah, yeah he's, he's been oh, he's um, been fine. I don't know if he's been the number two player in the draft that he was selected for. I mean, yeah, that that's fair. I mean, giving him the expectations of that is kind of difficult. Given, like you said, he's not an athletic freak, and he's not a guy who can has an incredible basketball mind. But I think. Losing obviously the two ACL tears are really going to kill him. Yeah, that's that's that, going to really hurt. Really, the athleticism he did have, and in fact, his contract is up this this summer. Oh. So, what does that mean? What kind of contract is he going to get? So, that's very unfortunate for him. Hopefully, he can come in. But anyway, transitioning to just what, what the two teams that I was kind of impressed with and disappointed with. Obviously, I'm very disappointed in the Thunder, but I don't really want to touch much up on this. Just to mm-hmm. say very simply. The Thunder are just learning how to play together. Yeah. Their defense right now, statistically, is number two in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, they are absolutely outstanding on defense, which is something that the Thunder haven't really had such an amazing defense since about 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. the year after James Harden left uh, and the year that the Thunder went to the finals. So I'm not really worried about this team because you have three excellent ISO players with guys that can play well around them, like a Steven Adams, like a Patrick Patterson. Like an Andre Robertson, he's good in mop up duty situations where he he's just a gets, great defender too. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know on broken plays, he he can he can get the ball. The thing that needs to happen for the Thunder is they need to just organize their ball movement because they're moving the ball effectively. They're right now twelfth in assists, which is really good for a team that has a, a bottom offense. You know, yeah. But they're moving it with really excellent offensive talent. So what does that tell you? you have, they have excellent offensive talent. They're 12th right now in assists, and they're, they have a bottom offense. That means that they just need a gel because yeah. you've got the firepower and you've got the interest in moving the ball. The only thing I'm worried about with or with Oklahoma City, because obviously they are playing great defense like you mentioned, it's, it's just the big personalities, just having them, will they have the patience to kind of well, it come seems together? Like, well, that's what I'm saying. The assists show me that they are wanting to really make sure that they all work yes, well together. and they are, but... My one thing is that if this if the struggles continue to happen and the development of this offense kind of takes that long, will a guy like Russell Westbrook, who has a huge ego, will Paul George, who has a huge ego, and Carmelo obviously has a huge ego, will they be able to handle the struggles? The guy that concerns me is Paul George. I'm not really? worried about I'm not worried about Russ at all. Russ is just kind of a regular. He does. He's a guy that doesn't have a huge ego. He's just somebody who wants to win, and he's somebody who is very competitive, but he's very to himself. And he's kind of a, just like a family guy. You're not concerned about Melo? I'm not concerned about Carmelo because Carmelo and Russ are cool. I'm worried about Paul George. That's that's the guy who I, I worry about because Paul George, if we remember last year in the playoffs, had a little bit of a diva personality, you know. He, despite yeah. him when he not, didn't get he that did. last shot against yeah. Cleveland, he lost or his also mind. the times that he missed the last shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's never hit a game winner. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and that's kind of what worries me about them. But anyway, transitioning to, to to the next 
you know, side of it is the team that I've been really impressed with has has definitely got to be the 76ers, who are right yeah, now oh. kind of in this three-way tie between third and sixth. I mean, they look great, you know, and, and Embiid's even resting at times. And Fultz um, is out as well. Yeah. And Fultz is out, but I, I don't know. I was just never very high on Fultz. The, the thing that really gets me going about the 76ers is what happens when Fultz comes back? Does that give them the... An, an added benefit, or is that going to put a wrench in their in, in their kind of the, the the chemistry that they've been building? And obviously, Dario Saric, a guy that no one talks about, has He's been great. excellent. Yeah, yeah. And Christian, I'll give this to you in a second, but I honestly think the best best way for them to integrate Fultz into the lineup is off the bench. I think that would be their best option because you look at the way Ben Simmons is playing in kind of that point guard role. He's been awesome there, and he's his athleticism shows he's a matchup nightmare right. for point guards. So I would leave him there, and even if you're going to start Fultz, put him at the two guard because you have a guy in Simmons who can really create match mismatches. I would I wouldn't mess with that by any means. Okay, so I wasn't high on the 76ers at all because I couldn't trust Joel Embiid's knees, but. He's a monster. What is he averaging like twenty you mean feet? Joel Embiid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. His body, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But. And, uh, but, <laughs> but you know, Ben Simmons was hurt last year too, so there was questions about how good he would be, but he's been sensational. And I really like the 76ers, but for Markel Fultz's sake, I think you should bring him off the bench. He could probably orchestrate that second unit. And I think he would be fine coming off the bench. Like, yeah. in terms of it would be good for his development. I, I don't think he has the ego to really get oh, upset about no, it. Yeah. And also because he's so behind now because you have to think his basketball conditioning, where is it going to be at? You know, because when you can't shoot, you also lose a little bit of your shooting legs. It's one mm-hmm. thing you do your leg extension, legs at press at, at, at the gym. It's another thing when you, you actually put it into, like, an athletic motion. Um, all right, so let's go to the topic that everybody wants to talk about, and let's go there, Knicks and Nets. Oh. <laughs> you know, Knicks, all right, look, I, I love the Knicks. Uh, I, I used to root for the Knicks solely before the Thunder showed up. Now I kind of root for both teams. Um, you know, Przingis got a bad left knee, and and I think adding weight on him has caused problems, and I think playing at the five is going to only continue to exacerbate those problems because when you put weight on those joints, you put more stress. I really want him to be stretched out the four. I want Hernan Gomez to be at the five or Cantor at the five. I don't like what they're doing right now. They should switch fours and fives Mm -hmm. um, for now and even down the line. But, you know, Porzingis looked great. He's hurt, but I'm not really worried about that. I'm worried about just what's going to happen with that knee. What do you all think? And um, I don't think... The four, the four and five is a massive difference because you look at the way where Porzingis is playing offensively. He's playing on the perimeter for the most part, and he's not really playing inside. That's been Cantor's role when he's been in there, or Kyle O'Quinn when he's been in there. I do think defensively it makes a different, a huge difference because you don't want him matching up in the post basically every time. He's kind of been their rim protector, but also he's been one of the better rim protectors in the league this year. That's where you kind of have this controversy of where you do want to put him because. He's their Nick, the Knicks. He's probably been their the Knicks' best defender thus far, so it'd be hard for me to kind of bring him away from the the basket because he's been so impactful there. Christian, honestly, I think you should just keep him at the power forward position because Cancer is the one who cleans up all the Cantor. boards. Cantor. Yeah, Cancer cleans up all the boards and stuff, and <laughs> and then you just have KP roam in the paint. He blocks shots. I think if he plays at I think if he plays at center, there's bigger, stronger guys there that will bully him, like Dwight Howard did the other day, and they could hurt him. Because the only concern I have with KP is his health, because he's been hurt. He's had like tick- well, that's what I'm saying. He has a bad left knee. Yeah, and that's why it's harder to trade him. If the Knicks were to trade them during that Phil Jackson debacle, oh yeah, yeah, it was hard to trade him because he has a bad left knee, 
and he's thin. Yeah. So you can't say, okay, if he loses weight, you take less stress because he's already real thin yeah. for his for his size. You know what I mean? You got to think, okay, yeah, he's maybe 245, 250, but he's 7'3". That's, you know, that's like a, 170 pounds and you're like, what, 5'11", 6 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's still pretty thin, you know? Yeah. Um, to your point, Jackson, about the the positioning, I actually think that the the Knicks should go long, not big, go long, which means putting Cantor at the five, um, KP at the four, O'Quinn at the three. I really like O'Quinn at the three because O'Quinn can space the floor, he can shoot, he can facilitate. He's like a Lamarcus Aldridge point forward, but just move him to the three. I really like him there. Or sliding Kuzminkas and put him at the three. I really like, you know, I call him Special K. I really like him. I think he's great, you know. See, Kuzminskis isn't getting any minutes, and he arguably could be off the team when Noah comes back, which is unfortunate because I lo- I really like his game. Everybody but, likes him. Why why, yeah. why why does no one like him They're, in the front office? Because they, it's the Knicks. Like, yeah. what else are you going to expect? But going back to the O'Quinn, the O'Quinn thing, I'm not a huge fan of putting O'Quinn at the three by any means because – Although he does have the skill set offensively, I don't think he's athletic enough to guard a three, like a, a stretched three guy, like a Giannis Antetokounmpo or a Duran, who I know can play the four mostly, right, but yes. he can't he can't guard the athletic wings, so to speak, at that position. That's and that could be a huge problem because looking at all these big teams, I mean, the best players, the best offensive players and yeah. best threats are at the three position. I don't think O'Quinn can guard there. Nets. What do y'all think? I'm going to give it to Christian. And Well, they started out great. No, but... no, this week. This week. Oh, well, they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. All right. <laughs> but, but... That's their net style. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but they've just been riddled with injuries. I mean, Jeremy Lin is out. Carroll's not playing well. But I got to say, I like D'Angelo Russell. I think he needed a new change of scenery. He's been playing well. So, well, I mean, he created a bad situation for himself yeah. with the Lakers. So, you know, that's kind of yeah. his yeah. fault. Yeah. He built his own grave. Jackson, what do you think <laughs> but, of the um, Nets? I, I'm... Listen, I think they're better than people think they are, and All right. that's that's kind of a general statement. But they kind of showed on this road trip. They're kind of sh- showing who they are, and we'll find out in the next week. I mean, they have Boston, Utah twice. They play Golden State, Cleveland as well in these next kind of two weeks. It's a, t- it's a really tough stretch for them, but I think we're going to really find out a lot about D'Angelo Russell in these next few games going up against some so, really tough guards. So in my eyes, I think Russell, like Oladipo, like even, uh, what was it, Kevin Martin, those are guys who, they are guys and they, they were guys who play really well on bad teams. That's just my mm-hmm. opinion. However, I think Levert needs to get 33 minutes a game. Yeah, I agree and there. if he gets that kind of minutes, then they're not going to go from an 11th or 12th team in the East to maybe a 9th or 10th. That's my opinion. Um, but if he does not get those kind of minutes, they'll be 10th or 11th, I think. So that's just my statement on the Nets. Uh, going on to our, our just our, our ideas of what's going to happen the following week, Christian, what's a, what's kind of a not a prediction necessarily, but what's your thought on a team we should look out for for the upcoming week? I'm interested in seeing how the Bucks would do with Eric Bledsoe, honestly. Okay. That's, is he going to play well with them? I find it interesting because the Bucks are a long team. You yeah, know, they go short. long on everything. Yeah. I mean, Brockton is slightly undersized, I'd say, for the average NBA player, but he's over, like, he's tall yeah. for a point guard. Yeah, he's 6'5. So, you know, that's pretty good. And let me ask you, what do you think, though, about the Eric Bledsoe being an undersized player on a long team? Doesn't that kind of mess that? I don't know. I'm just, I'm wondering how schematically they're going to fit that because 
especially on defense. So when you're a long team, that means you kind of use the size as a pyramid yeah. scale. You know, you like you you make your one guard a two. You you make a, a five guard a. a Sorry, a one guard, a two, a two guard, a three, a three guard, a four, a four guard, a five, and then you make your smallest player a help defender. So maybe that would be okay for Bledsoe. Yeah. But what do you what do you think in that situation, Christian? I think they'll be okay because I mean you still have Giannis, you still have Don Maker, and you maybe you could put Malcolm Brogdon on point guard still if they play him a two guard. I really like Brogdon as a two guard, mm-hmm. but Bledsoe is a two guard, so I think you can interchange Brogdon yeah. and Bledsoe mm-hmm. and make Bledsoe the help uh, the the help defender, and also in a way this sounds weird, but on offense the help guard because I think Bledsoe's problem is that he's he's an excellent sixth man kind of player, but not so much as a starting point guard. Yeah. So what you could do is you can make him like the help offensive player to Brogdon, you know, mm-hmm. like let's say instead of Brogdon going down the paint and lobbing up to a big man, he can just dish it backwards to, to Bledsoe for like a. I don't know, mid-range shot or a three, because Bledsoe's shot's pretty good. Jackson, what do you think? Um, I mean, Bledsoe, I think, like we mentioned, Giannis, Giannis is kind of the point guard there, and Bledsoe will help them out at point guard and in handling the ball, but they have three guys who can handle the rock, basically, and Antetokounmpo and Brogdon and Bledsoe, as you mentioned. So I think they can compromise the length with Bledsoe just because you have so much size and width inside in Maker and John Henson as well as Antetokounmpo. But I really think he can make a difference for them offensively because, like you mentioned, they've kind of been forcing the ball inside a lot when it's not been with Giannis. And now they kind of have a threat who can hit from mid-range and can hit from outside as well. What do you think about what? what's your team for this upcoming week? I think Denver. I, I really oh. like them because Nikola Jokic has been excellent in these past yeah. few games. He put up 40 against the Nets the other night. And I really love their guards. Jamal Murray's really athletic. The deal for Gary Harris this summer I wasn't a huge fan of. but It's I re- looking better I, and better. I, exactly. Day. I really like his game. He's an excellent defender on the perimeter, and he can shoot the rock as well. And they also have Moutier off the bench. So they have three really athletic guards, and two of which can really shoot the ball. They have Orlando coming up this Saturday, which I think will be an interesting to game to see how Jokic matches up inside with Vucevic. I think that's oh, a really that's good matchup good to watch. And then they have Portland away on Monday. And then another good game with New Orleans, who is another team that I've been looking out for. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis have worked really well together. So that's that's another team I'd really like to watch to see if that continues. Christian, what do you think about the, the Nuggets? I like them. I mean, you know, when they got Paul Millsap, people were like, oh, why they pay him so much money? But him and Jokic are playing well together. There was Now... People are comparing them to Vladi Divac and Chris Webber. I wouldn't go yeah, that I far. Yeah, I saw that last time. <laughs> I wouldn't night. go that far. Yeah, yeah that but, was really funny. But I like Jokic's game. He's an all-around center. He can shoot the three-pointer. Millsap is a nice undersized power forward, but you could work with it. And Will Barton, they still have him. Again, Moutier. Uh, yeah, they have a nice score. scoring a lot for And them. another thing is they play in Denver, so the altitude does have an impact. So when you're running up and down the court in Denver, you get a lot more tired. So they have that to their advantage. I think the team that is going to definitely – be worried about playing the Nuggets or the Warriors because they don't match up well with such a big team with with three-point ability like the Nuggets, which is what the Thunder have kind of been going for. Um, I think that the Nuggets are going to be a 7-8 seed because of their lack of experience, but they're going to be a team on the rise in the next two, three years. I could see them winning a title in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, that's a bold prediction. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. well, if you look at how good Jokic is and you look at their young core and how they're developing, as well as you know, veteran leadership with uh, with Barton and Millsap, I think it's worth going for. I, I think it's I think it's worth saying they have the ability to make uh, to win a title in the next five years yeah, because you have to think Cavs are aging. You know, 
Thunder will also be aging. Uh, Celtics, we don't we don't know how good Hayward's going to be when he comes back from that injury. And you know, will the Seventy Sixers have the development as well as the health to to win a title next? Five yeah, years? but I mean, you look at Boston. I mean, that's a team that is kind of like. But the we team don't know goes, what Hayward's going to be. I know, but mm-hmm. you also you have to look at the Tatum as well because Tatum's been a beast thus far in his first season. Jalen Brown has developed really well. They have a lot of pieces that are ready to play, and that will only improve. You have to think in these next five years, so to speak. But that's it. The Nuggets are a tough team to pick as a title in the next five mm-hmm. years. They made kind of a transition this offseason to really focus on their defense, and I think they really have the pieces that can put them in as a top-five defensive team because they have really athletic guards and they have some size inside to kind of block shots with Millsap and Jokic. So, unfortunately, the Nuggets were also my team to watch out for, and I'm, I'm going to just continue this, this segment a little more until the end of a couple minutes. Um, I really think that it's important to understand, though, with the Nuggets is that this team financially might be a little strapped, not next year, but the year after. So they really, if they're really going to bank on these guys, they need to really make them develop. That means don't like glorify Moutier and put him in the ideal positions for him to look good and then trade him. Mm-hmm. You need Moutier to develop and you need to keep him because if you can make a starting five of Moutier, Murray at the so Moody at the one, Murray at the two, Gary Harris at the three, Millsap at the four, and at the five you have Jokic as well as backups like Chandler and Barton. I think you're set because Barton's game ages well as well as Chandler's game. And that starting five has a good a is at a good age and has a good mix of 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 experienced player and, and age and, and youth. That's similar to the Thunder because the Thunder had a very young team but had Perkins in so. Anyway, this is thank you for for tuning in to the Pick and Pod uh, podcast, and you know, guys, I, I think y'all did great. I'm really happy um, to have you guys on. I think that this is going to be a, a it's a good sign for things to come for you guys. So, thanks everybody generation. for joining. Yeah, the next generation, <laughs> the new gen. Thanks, guys. See you next week.